Mike LaRusso is a sales innovator and industry veteran who's been featured on NBC, CBS News, and Fox News. He is an expert in securing new accounts, leveraging data insights, and leading transformative ventures. He draws on his four decades of sales experience and shares his insights in his book, The Sales Professional Survival Guide, a blueprint for tactical prospecting. Here to unleash our sales potential, please welcome to the podcast, Mike LaRusso. Welcome to the Engaging Personalities Podcast. I'm Anders Belanger, founder and CEO of Engageify, where we're on a mission to rehumanize business through engagement. We believe that we can all be more successful if we can command attention and deepen connection. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on a future episode. So let's get ready to engage. Mike, welcome. Oh, I'm excited to be here, Anders. Thanks very much. Yeah, thank you very much for being here. So, so Mike, let's, um, I mean, I, I touched on a little bit in the intro. You've been in sales for a long time. You've learned a lot of things over the years. Unfortunately, you touched on uh, the four decades, but uh, okay. I have to deal with that. <laughs> it's, it's authority. It's credibility, right? You are yeah. Good a good way to know, look at it. A subject matter expert. That's why you're on the podcast. Um, okay. Let's just kind of go back. How did you get started in sales? Like what, what drew you to it in the first place? I'm, uh, I live in Atlanta. I've been down here 20 years, but I'm originally a New York market person. Grew up there. I was uh, you know, a bicycle messenger when I was 15, did a lot of sales work, uh, a lot of jobs in Manhattan, but you really do get your sales legs working in Manhattan. And uh, it has a generally a business development mindset to it. So, you know, I don't like using the term natural born sales people, but there are certain types of people with a business development mindset where it's in their fiber to do deals. And I think I'm one of those people because I'd be honest with you, I have, uh, I'm a double major in psychology and, uh, and marketing. So, mm. <laughs> you know, and I didn't want to go into, you know, I figured I could be a, you know, one of these intelligent people who could speak for a living, uh, you know, without having to sell something, but it just, the, the moment I graduated, I went back into sales and I've been in it for 40 years. And, you know, so I think it's just, uh, the nature of the beast. Right. Well, it's kind of interesting when you think about when you say New York, automatically, I have this kind of like hustle culture kind of feel that, you know, and, and also the concrete jungle, right? Survival of the fittest. Mm -hmm. And you're just kind of doing what you got to do. So you're kind of a product of your environment in a lot of ways there. Yes. And yeah, real, real brief story. When I was uh, one of my first sales gigs in, in New York, uh, we had the products that we carried in a, in a briefcase and everyone, every briefcase was about five inches wide. But when I started, they only had a three inch case left. So I couldn't fit my binder in there. So I had to carry it with me and it became annoying carrying it separately. So I went to a hardware store. I got a couple of like uh, four hooks. I glued them to the outside and I created like my own little sleeve for it on the outside of the case. And no less than a dozen times, just walking in New York, being in elevators, standing at stoplights, people you don't know come up to you and say, you got to patent that. But well, that's a great idea. I know how to expand on it. And one person actually said, here, call my friend Joe. He runs the Samsonite office in, uh, on 34th Street. He'll have some ideas. So it just shows you the mentality. And I didn't know any of these people. They just come up to you and you know, want to do business. It's, it's you know, nature of the beast. So, so, I mean, I don't want to go down this too far. Uh, I know, you know but, I know. But, but I do, there is something, Mike, that is just is kind of, um, you know, that people are willing to, you know, stop you interrupt you and and there's something about that kind of go get them attitude and and 
Do you think that that is New York specific or is it just kind of? 100%. And okay. again, we're going down a rabbit hole, but yeah. briefly, New York, when, when the cities were formed and the country was being formed and people moved and went to Philadelphia or all these different cities, New York was the only city that was formed based on doing business. Mm. Other places had, you know, they wanted to form a new religion or they wanted some separation of independence. New York, probably because of the location being right at the heart of the Hudson into the Atlantic. Yeah. So everyone there was just, we're here to do business. And it carried on for 400 years. <laughs> well, that's a, it's a badge of honor. Anyways, being that from, is, from yep. New York mm -hmm. and New York salesperson and that by that. So uh, I want to touch on something that uh, I saw when I was kind of doing my research. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're, there's myths and misconceptions in selling. And, you know, whether or not we kind of just, oh, the, the, like there's lots of sayings, you know, that you have and maybe they get perpetuated through time. But I'm just yes. wondering, um, you know, what are some of these maybe, I don't know if they were ever best practices, but they're no longer relevant. What are some things that have changed that, you know, you, you want know, to put a stop you're, to? You're being kind with myths, the, the term myths, because it's really the, the title of the book is survival guide and that's financial survival so it's a very serious look at um, some of these things that are forced upon sales professionals that no longer work and haven't changed in years and years and years some of them you know and you've heard these i'm sure uh, as it relates to prospecting which is the main uh, crux of the book is uh, you know you have to make 100 calls a day or knock on 100 doors a day these types of things and the cold calling aspect as a repetitive randomization still gets perpetuated and is, is not productive at all, and it wastes time and destroys organizations and sales professions. Um, and, you know, just as a side note, uh, the profession of sales has the highest turnover of any profession. And uh, it's because that type of unchanging belief, um, instead of changing the methodology, they change the perspective of the methodology. And they say, well, if you can't do what we're telling you, we'll get somebody else to do it. And they just, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, turn the spigot. So the biggest one as it relates to the book is generating new business and the myths that are, uh, you know, some of the methodologies that are forced upon sales professionals in order to gain new business. And a lot of it is, you know, the quote unquote cold calling aspect of it. Yeah, so, and that, that you're talking about the turnover in sales. Mm -hmm. Well, if you just think of terms of new salespeople coming into the work you know place or workforce those myths of the cold calling probably deter them from ever getting in there in the first place a lot of them just because of this you know i hate cold calling piece to it yeah but in a way you're right but they don't know anything else so when mm -hmm. i say I'm, I'm i'm speaking in general terms yeah so they sure. just they figure that that's the only thing to do that's all that can be done. I'm not being told by management or my trainers a different way to prospect. So this is it, unless you come up with something else. Let me step back and I'll give you a real good uh, um, description. Um, I've been in sales 40 years. A lot of the time was as a quote unquote consultant, but it was more of an independent contractor. They use the term fancy term consultant, but I would be hired by organizations to generate new business in some way, whether it's uh, selling a new product, opening a new territory, or even a lot of the times I've done, I've done data analysis to look for revenue where it wasn't there before. But I was always on timelines. I was in like a six-month contract. And in just in general in sales, you're always on a deadline. So you have to prospect for new business in the ways that can meet those deadlines. And if you can't do it that way, especially when I was on a, a contract, I had to come up with ways to produce faster. And 
I did it, you know, they go back to the New York thing. It was all intuition in my wits to uh, generate new business in a different way, which I've created in, in the book. And that's how I was able to produce appointments and then sales faster within the six month period. But what was happening is um, the organization, there's, there's other aspects, uh, obst sales obstacles within an organization that can, can hurt the business as well as the profession, which also affect um, uh, salesperson's time in generating business. So the methodology itself sometimes cannot be the, you know, the, uh, uh, the way to just succeed because you have to overcome other obstacles, which I've labeled in the book. So what mm -hmm. I did is eventually after doing this, I decided, let me put my methodology down in writing in a formalized process. And then other salespeople can use this and a step-by-step -step on how to prospect for new business. And if you could just think of, I thought it was going to take me six months and it went on for years, literally for years, because, uh, you know, to write down how to do something step-by-step -step, that intricate, to get every aspect of it right, it, it's very detailed and laborious. But uh, in, in addition to creating new things for the book, it's, it's certainly my own terminology for it, et cetera. So um, as I was doing it, it became a cathartic experience because I was thinking back of the, all the sales positions I've had and the consulting positions. And I realized that a lot of these organ, a lot, 90 plus percent of them no longer exist. And none of them are gone because of a lack of sales. Okay, it's all due to, um, as I put in the book, they were decisioned into the grave. So you couldn't blame lack of sales for, for, the, for the business either, either getting gobbled up or going out of business. Um, so the book turned into a commentary on the problems with sales. I offer solutions. As one of the solutions, I created tactical prospecting, which is a way to generate new business. And then lastly, relating back to the 100 doors a day, I created my own method, uh, my own um, equations to generate metrics, uh, product productivity metrics, and it gets away from all the pie in the sky superficial numbers that are thrown at salespeople. It breaks it down literally in terms of how much are you going to produce within an hour period of time as compared to what you're forced to do. So it's a whole package of if I don't know what I'm dealing with to get into sales, like that new salesperson you talked about who's coming into the business, this will give them the reality. This is what you're going to go up against, and this is how to overcome it. Right, kind of real world, rubber meets the real world stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I, you know, I love the term tactical prospecting, and partly it's because, admittedly, I love when you throw tactical in front of anything, like tactical vest or tactical, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, I know it's a different type of tactics, but right. um, but anyways, I like the sound of that. Um, can you, and, and obviously strategies versus tactics, right? Tactics are kind of, again, that rubber meets the road piece, which you're actually right. doing. Can you give us kind of maybe a little example without giving away the, sure. the farm here, you know, uh, sure. of tactical prospecting? And it's, it, I'm so glad you said that because I was very pointed in using the term tactic because you know, it's funny, strategy in sales is just something that management comes up with that they can blame on you when it fails. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an idea. And a lot of the times I've worked in organizations where they have competing ideas operating at the same time. Hmm. And that's, a, you know, a strategy. It's like, look, I came up with a strategy and let's give it a shot. Oh, it didn't work. I don't, meaning the management, I don't suffer, you do. So tactic is actually implementing something, the idea that's implemented. And that's why. So stepping back a moment, the big difference in my prospecting methodology, and basically tactical prospecting is the foundation 
And what I call the alliance process is built on the foundation. Now the foundation piece is, let's assume you're that new salesperson, you go into a, a new company, you learn the product and you say, okay, here's the target customer for that product. And you get a list of a hundred businesses and you go after a business directly. You try and communicate with them any way possible. With tactical prospecting, you're hunting for people who have access to targets, those businesses. So you get an exponential type of factoring. And I'll give you an example. If um, I'm that salesperson, I have get a list of 100 businesses and I call on 100 businesses and maybe I'll get, and I'm going to be generous, five appointments out of it. Okay, so I put all that time into contacting 100 businesses. If you do tactical prospecting, you're identifying an individual who has a complementary mind um, decision maker that they sell to. And this could be mm -hmm. anyone. It could be another salesperson. It could be an IT business, IT consulting business, where there's an overlap of benefits. So um, I can identify, if I'm selling a product that's sold to an IT decision maker and I engage an IT business, a consulting business, they've got an existing book of business already they're selling to, as well as any potential prospects. And I bind with him and I or her, and I explain the product and right in there in their mindset, their brain works or they go through their physical database and they say, you know what, of, of my 300 customers, these five, my hundred customers, these five are a good match for you. And then they yeah. bring you to them. And I've knocked 95% of my time out the window because right. I'm not wasting my time with the randomization aspect. Now imagine you've got connections or relationships, which I call allies with three or four or five of these. Then I'm putting my time into already getting, uh, getting appointments with, with these customers that knock out any potential obstacles that are formed by cold calling. Right. And, and it's, it's, it's a little bit like referrals, but not it's because it's, it's specific people that are non-competing and, and co uh, complementary, like you here's, here's, here's the phraseology, the philosophy, familiarity breeds comfort. Mm -hmm. And when you have a familiarity where somebody vouches for me because I already have an alliance relationship with them, then mm -hmm. all of those, let's say there's 10 obstacles that are just inherited with other types of prospects, they're knocked out. Yeah. I don't have to get by a gatekeeper. I, they don't have to vet me. They don't have to you know, know that I can, they can trust the product, the company, et cetera. That's all taken care of. Yeah. The trust um, is really high with that. 100%. Uh, that entry, that doorway in. Now, I'm, I'm curious, uh, Mike, do, do, do the people, those alliances, I'm going to guess you reciprocate and you are able to kind of help them out in a, in a similar 100%. way. hundred percent. There's, there's a mechanism. And this is one of the, some of the terminology I had to come up with uh, because like I said, all of this was intuition until I said, okay, I need, if I'm going to formalize this, I need formal terms. There's something called anchor seating and counterweighing. And um, anchor seating is once you form that relationship, you formed an ally and there's ways I explain how you determine who is and isn't an ally you know, determine if they have a business development mindset. Mm -hmm. Now, the first thing you do when you form the relationship is you anchor seed, meaning you give them something of value. It could be a piece of information. It could be an account. It could be a potential prospect. You're immediately feeding the relationship. You're anchor seeding. Mm -hmm. Now, what that does is, first of all, it gets it going so it doesn't die on the vine. But more importantly, it's a monitoring aspect of the ally. They have to counterweight. And if they mm -hmm. reciprocate, then you know you've got a good, strong relationship. 
right. and that's kind of like a mo monitoring mechanism. The beauty of this is with the business development mindset of an individual is you, and, and I'm sure you've run across people like this. It doesn't have to be a salesperson either. It could be your gardener. It could be anyone you run into. They just have a good brain for, for looking for opportunity. You, there's several different mechanisms that can be used to generate more business because you're both on the same page in knowing and identifying and engaging opportunities. And then it just becomes exponential in terms of the amount of business you can, you, you can generate. Right. I mean, and in some ways you might be asking those people that you're aligned with about other people like them that are, that provide leverage. So you can get leverage on top of leverage in a sense. So and um, like if they, yeah. if I have an ally who walks me into one of their customers, that customer can become an ally also. Sure. If they have the sure. same mentality. And yeah. then that's how, and you know, it's funny because if, if I have to call on a hundred a day, which can't be done. So, you know, I, I can't stand that phrase. But if I call on a hundred a day, if I have five allies and they have a hundred apiece and they're stronger, how long does it take me to interact with five allies where they can do the work for you? I have something in there in terms of, because it all relates to, um, to time. Mm -hmm. And the fact that a sales professional's time is gobbled up by everything under the sun to the point yeah. where they can't succeed. So if, I have these allies, it reduces the net time expenditure to almost zero, virtually zero, I put it. And you say, well, how can that be? Because they're bringing the prospect to you because they yeah. know about what you want. So you're not wasting the time calling on a hundred random people and hoping that the timing is right where they need your product at the same time you knock on the door. And I mean, literally knock on the door because... <laughs> If they decide an hour after or an hour before that they needed it and you're not there, then the, the timing's lost. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's something, Mike, you said uh, about, you know, the, the business development mindset, mm -hmm. right? And you're saying if they have the business development mindset, do you have, I don't know, like not a test, but like a little yes. thing that you use yes. on people. So you go, oh yeah, they're going to be good, right? Like you're, you're able to kind of, you know, figure that out on the, on the front end. There's, there's three principles to the business development mindset. And this is how you determine within a person. And you can, you can form a metric to figure this out. But generally, um, can they identify an opportunity? Can they engage an opportunity? And can they negotiate the opportunity? And negotiate doesn't mean business. It means mm -hmm. figure out a way to make that opportunity valuable to them in terms of offering them something about that type of negotiation. And let me tell you, four decades of doing this, <laughs> you'd be amazed at people in the profession who couldn't identify an opportunity literally when it's handed to them. And mm. I've handed leads and prospects and, and they just don't know what to do with it. And I'm talking people in sales, but they do survive because they have some of these other advantages that I name in the book that give them an advantage over uh, a, a typical or an untenured sales profession. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, for it to work, for the system to work, they have to be able to, you know, grasp onto those opportunities and understand the potential mm -hmm. and then to be able to feed it back and forth. Right. So that's a hundred percent. Okay. Because um, the key thing to, let me just, one more thing with that yeah, is for sure. it, there's a lot of time, not in, in what I teach in the book, but generally speaking, like you mentioned referrals, if even if you have the best intentions at heart, people don't know how to do that typically because they're not taught, yeah. certainly in training. So you may think that somebody has a business development mindset and they are just 
completely wasting your time. You know, and and I have some humorous little indicators, like if you know, if they say uh, go to the yellow, if you remember the yellow pages, I'm bringing, <laughs> yeah, look sure. it up in the yellow pages, or you know what you should do, go on Google, or you know, it's emptiness like that. Yeah. You know, so. That, so that's a, that's a hint that they don't have a business development mindset. Yeah, those are more humorous hints. I do have metrics, yeah, yeah. but it's <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, and you just said metrics. Um, I know you're. T- we talked about data insights, finding revenue. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think that, I mean, obviously for people who can find revenue, um, that's an advantageous thing to be able to do. I'm, uh, when it, Some of the positions I had in consulting positions were to do data analyses. Um, a good example, there was a franchise. Um, it was a wireless mobility franchise. And um, I got recommended to this by some another um, ally. And um, they had they thought that they weren't getting the right residual commission from the carrier. And they were sure of it, 100%. These, I'm talking about the franchise owners. So there were 250 and I, I spoke to management. They told me what they thought the problem was. And by the way, in my consulting, this is very interesting. They'll always explain to me what they think the problem is, the CEOs, the executives, and right. nine times out of 10, it's not even close to what they thought it was. <laughs> and a lot of the times it was a very simple solution once you identify the problem. So, mm-hmm. but in this case, I, you can do things just with the random samples. I didn't need 250 stores worth of data. I said, give me 10 stores worth of data randomly. I analyzed it. And it turned out that a certain plan that was being sold more often than not wasn't commissionable. I mean, there were other minor issues to it. But uh, when I said uh, this one plan, I asked a couple of the owners, how many of these do you think you sell a month? And they would say 5%. And it was over 60 and it wasn't a commissional thing because the, the industry changed and these plans were being sold more. So within a two week period, I gained, uh, I don't know, I increased their, their revenue 30% annually with the two right. weeks of just looking at the data. Interesting. And it was all sitting there. Yeah. Yeah, just right, right in there. It was well, funny, we can measure so many things these days, right? The data and the analytics, and yet mm-hmm. it can still be misplaced. You know, we talked to a lot of people, you know, on the marketing side of things, talking about these vanity metrics, right? We're measuring things that make us look good, but it's not actually driving the needle, um, you know, down the road. I, I put in uh, the, I'm sorry, I put in the book as it relates to that, because I really, it's really between the eyes, the, the, uh, the reality of the sales profession. And I said, data is only used, the metrics are only used to punish somebody, <laughs> the salesperson. Mm, right. Yeah. You put know, pressure on them and put you pressure know, make on them them. the job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah because that's, I, you know, I always use the story that uh, this was related to me, but um, uh, I, I was selling a product and you had a geographic territory and through a database, you can analyze and really um, pick out the, the potential prospects in terms of, you know, customer size, what they were in industry. And these were the ones that bought this product. And I had 2000 businesses in the territory that I could work on and sell. And the manager kept saying, you got to knock on a hundred doors a day. That's the only way to do it. And I said, I'll be done in 20 days if I could do that. <laughs> Cause I only have two, then what do I do? And they don't know what to say. So they come up with the gobbledygook and say, well, then you start all over again. I said, you mean, First day of the new month, I'm going to go knock on the same door I knocked on a month earlier where they didn't want the product. <laughs> and that's where the metrics just, you know. Yeah. That's, you know, and things have changed, right? And uh, buyers have evolved. Everything has changed. 
Uh, of course, we here like to talk about how do we engage those customers? How do we grab their attention? How do we make them pay attention? Um, do you have any comments or tactics or, or suggestions for people out there who want to um, evolve and, and try to compete in this world of noise that we're, we're living in? This, this is going to make probably every sales trainer cringe. And this is okay. book as well. 90% um, of the deal is done through the prospecting. The last 10% is just negotiation. And, you know, I've been asked uh, by different people, it's like, what do you think about this selling technique or this selling technique? I said, I don't teach or discuss techniques once you're in front of the customer because I can't anticipate every obstacle. So I can't train away every, train every solution. And I always say this, sales, and this is a big thing that's removed from sales. It's just the fact that you're actually trying to do business. You're not trying to fool them into calling you back or you know, motivate them into it. You're trying to do business with a business person, if you think about that. And um, a good sales professional just is able to think on his feet because mm -hmm. I can't figure out everything that's going to happen when you're in front of the customer. And it's funny when you go through training, to say it's tertiary that the prospecting piece is you know, is an understatement. They okay. always start the training when you're sitting in front of the customer. True. Never, That's true. how did I get there in the first place? How do yeah. I get in front of the customer? And if they do touch upon that, and I've been through ones which are prospecting, it's just repackaged cold calling. Because like you said, things change and evolve. I used to be able to get on the phone years ago and again, my 40 years, and I'd get somebody on the phone and I may be able to schmooze a gatekeeper or such, but 99 out of 100 times, you're going to get a voicemail. So mm -hmm. what do they do? They say, okay, I'm going to cut, tell you what kind of voicemail to leave and how to, you know, and it's, then they come up with all this, this craziness on what to say in the voicemail. And then forget about New York. If you had to go knock on doors, you couldn't. You couldn't get past the lobby anymore <laughs> with security. You know, so that's one of the reasons you have to come up with, with a different angle. But it's more uh, importantly for time. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I, I love the idea that 90% is done you know by the prospecting because if you're in front of a customer who has a need right you've prospected properly then everything should be rolling forward pretty smoothly right we, we shouldn't have to deal with all the the snags and the different things so uh 100 and that's that's the whole point of when you use an ally then all those yeah. obstacles are removed because yeah. all the vetting and the trust is established and like i said the last 10 percent is uh, just a negotiation now in terms of trust you have to, you know, do what you you were, what you say you can do. Otherwise, the trust is lost, and then there's no mm -hmm. shot. Mm -hmm. well, one of the things we do in in some of our trainings when we talk about creating engagement, there's different engagement drivers we talk about, and one of them being authority or trust in this case, right? The mm -hmm. fact that you are introduced by someone else who's a trusted known commodity that you know is going to make people pay attention, and then the relevance of the problem that you're solving. You're already hitting on two very strong engagement drivers through your, you know, you, what's what's your methodology called? The alliance? Uh, the alliance process. It's, alliance yeah, process, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tactical prospecting. You can think of it almost as a philosophy. And mm -hmm. then the, because you're identifying, you're looking to hunt for people, not businesses when you start your prospecting. Mm -hmm. Who can help me get into a, a target? Yeah. And a target would be a piece of information. But in terms of sitting in front of a customer, this is this is interesting in terms of the engagement. Um, and I've done this, this is funny, I, 
I fool my wife a lot because she'll say, how can you tell somebody on the phone that you can do this? You, you haven't even started working for the company yet. And I said, I don't need to know the product. Well, I do eventually. But if I know my product and I sit in front of a customer for the first time, one of the great engagement and, uh, entrance statements is just, and I've done this a million times in my career. Give me an overview of your business. Can you give me a 30 second overview of your business? And they do that. Now you don't know their business, you know your product and they know their business. So when they're telling you about their business, now you're relating it to the value props of your product and you know how to apply it. Instead of me starting the talking and telling them what my company can do and what my product can do, you don't even know how it relates. And any, any business owner or, or executive, they always wanna talk about it. And a lot of the times, like I said, a good, very high percentage, they'll tell you what the problem is. And now you're mm -hmm. related to the solution. You know, it's funny, I, I, great story. And I actually brought this up recently, how thinking on your feet and this type of thing. When I was, a, I was working in an organization, it was really my first sales position. And it was in New York and it was the second largest real estate company in New York. They managed 300 businesses. I mean, 300 buildings rather. And each building was a separate entity. If you know how real estate works, it's like a separate corporation for every building. And um, we were a smaller company. So I was probably the sixth one in. And it's a New Yorker, chief operating officer. And I pretty much walked in and he said, okay, look, I don't want to hear anything. He said, I'll tell you what you need. He said, if you can, of course, of the product work, but he said, if you can generate a separate bill for each building, then, and the product works, then you pretty much have a sale. Now, I didn't know I was working at the company a month. And if all these large organizations told them they couldn't, I'm like, I don't know, can I? Mm -hmm. And I just thought about it for a minute. And I said, you know what? I didn't say this out loud. This is, you know, the split second where your mind works. And, and I said, well, if I was a Superman salesperson and I sold 300 businesses in a month, that would be 300 separate bills. So there's really no difference. So I said, of course we can. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my billing department went crazy until I explained to them the whole thing. But give you an idea, 50 units was a month. It was a quota for a month and I sold 600 with that deal it <laughs> well you're going after the, the whales right going after the right uh the right yeah. right accounts in in that sense yeah oh that's great 600 yeah. units I'll, I'll generate a separate bill myself yeah <laughs> yeah that's right yeah yeah you could you could do it yourself just to make it. uh so, so mike your book the sales professional survival guide where can people buy that on amazon i'm guessing or where can people amazon buy? and every platform uh michaelrusso.com i have my own website and um it's, it's under the Michelson group. That's uh, my consulting company. Okay. And uh, in terms of uh, anything that it's, it's targeted for sales students. And I mean that generically because that's both entry-level students in college because they're sales degrees, as well as high-level executives who need to know exactly what's going on in their sales environment and a different way to look at their sales environment, which is greatly needed. And that's what this book and my, my teachings provide. Wow. Excellent. I'm, uh, I'm going to pick it up myself. I, you know, what ends up happening with the podcast guest, podcast gets I have on, I just end up buying a lot of books, but it's <laughs> so good because I learned so much. And then I'm like, that does sound good. I'm going to have to, to do that. that. So, uh, yeah. Hey, so I, appreciate you I, don't, I don't send it before the, uh, before the podcast. Oh, well, well, more. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> it's good. It's all good. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and sharing your expertise with us. Sanders, I had a great time. Thank you very much. Excellent. And to all our listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And remember, until next time, stay engaged. Thank you so much for listening to Engaging Personalities. 
If you believe this world needs more engagement and you're an industry leader or you have an interesting take on rehumanizing business, go to go.engageify.ai slash podcast hyphen guest to apply and come on the show. If you got something out of this interview, do you mind sharing it on your social media? Just grab a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show. Include the hashtag engaging personalities. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episode, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, engageify.ai, or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening, and stay engaged. Thank you.